Uh, Genesis chapter 26, we're going to be reading from. Father, I just thank you, uh, God, for, for everything that you're doing. Uh, Lord, we pray right now and just intercede, Lord, for, for, for just this planet. God, right now we're hearing reports out of our community, the rehabs in Russia and, and even other places, Lord, where there's a massive struggle, where there's a, uh, once again a, a rise in the COVID-19, Lord. And I just pray, Father, uh, even now that you would meet with Pastor Alexander, uh, God, where he's out in the hospital, the infection that he has, that you would remove it from his body. But Father, I stand in the gap and I just thank you, uh, Lord, that we can be relatively at ease here on the Gold Coast. Lord, I believe that you created us as one of the most beautiful places in the world and we give you thanks. Uh, Lord, we take note and we also pray and lift up our friends, our partners, all the churches across Adelaide, Lord, that you would just be with them in this season. Uh, Father, none of us know what it's truly like to be restricted here in Queensland, but uh, God, we just pray that you'd meet with the churches, the pastors and the leaders uh, all over this planet in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Genesis chapter 26, I want to set something up this morning uh, for where we're heading. And in just a few moments, we'll un unpack this a little bit. Uh, this morning, I want to read some scripture, unpack it, uh, give you four or five thoughts, and then we're going to get out of here. And uh, I'm going to the pool, probably after a Big Mac combo or something like that. And uh, I don't know where you're going, but I'm sure it's going to be a, a good day here on the Gold Coast. Amen. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. You know, the title of this, this particular passage, and it breaks up into a few segments. We're going to read from 1 to verse 25. Uh, but the title is, Isaac de Deceives uh, Abimelech. It's interesting because the deception part comes later, but I don't think it's quite as the title describes. Let, let's go there. The Scripture says in verse 1, A severe famine now struck the land, as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Ger, uh, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines lived. Uh, let me just qualify that. I'll probably get his name wrong. My wife corrected me after the first service that I was saying it wrong. Uh, I've read it about 600 times this week. So uh, seashells by the seashore, that kind of thing is happening with this dude's name. But uh, in essence, um, Abimelech is, is, are we okay? Abimelech is, is, is not necessarily the name for an individual, but more of a title um, uh, over or given to the king that rules over uh, the Palestine at this time, uh, in the same way that Pharaoh, or Pharaoh, or however you want to say it, uh, was the title of the name that was given for the ruler of Egypt at the time. So that is Abimelech. Uh, the Lord appeared to Isaac and he said in verse 2, Do not go up to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I will hereby confirm, in fact, I confirm that I will give you all of these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky. What an amazing promise. And I will give them all of these lands. And though through your descendants, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. In verse 5, I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac was obedient and he stayed. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah. He said to her, she is my sister, as he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will be, kill me to get to her because she is so beautiful. All of the husbands are like, my wife is so beautiful. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and he saw Isaac having a patch with Rebekah. It says caressing, but having a patch, that's what they were doing. Immediately, Abimelech, called for Isaac, and he exclaimed, she obviously is your wife. 
why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid uh, that someone would kill me to get to her, Isaac replied. This is a bit of a parallel with what happened to his father. How could you do this to us, Abimelech claimed. One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would, made a, would have made us guilty of sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation that anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. And here we have a transition of the narrative that's taking place. Isaac goes out of the presence of Abimelech. This verse says, and the title says, Confliction over water rights. Uh, In verse 12, it says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. Let me say that again. He harvested a hundred more times of grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks, sheep, goats, herds, cattle, servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. There were... These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. In other words, he was taking the inheritance or the wells that his father had dug. And these servants, these, these other people, the jealous people, filled them up. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar in the valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells of his father and he dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given to them. In verse 19, Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerur Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But hear this, then the shepherds from Gerur came and they claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well uh, Ek, or Esk, which means argument. Uh, Isaac's men then dug another well, uh, but then there was another dispute over it. So Isaac named this well Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named that place Reboth, which means open space. Let me say that again, very important this morning, open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Even before I get into the sermon, I want to tell you that God has created space on the Gold Coast for us to prosper. God has so many more people for us to reach. He has so much more to pour out in you, so many more blessings to get to you that you cannot even conceive it. From then on, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him at night on his arrival. And he said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. And he said, do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there, and he worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and his servants dug another well. I want to begin this morning speaking to you from a series that I'm entitling, Pace Setter. Someone say, Pace Setter. Say, I'm setting the pace for 2021. You know, uh, to be very transparent, probably two months ago, uh, during the end of the COVID on the Queensland anyway, uh, I I went to Noosa and had some time out. It was three or four days, like a pretty good place to go have some time out. And uh, my wife and kids joined me after four days. And and part of my purpose of going away was to do some fasting, and that's pretty hard to do in Noosa. Um, but, 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 But I did relax and lay on the beach and you know I was lying on the beach and I asked God God what are you saying for our church for 2021 
and this coming into is, is, I guess, the end or the transition of, uh, of our fifth year, which marks a time of grace here at President's Church of Chrissy and I leading, uh, although the church has been going for 30-something years. Uh, but the Lord said to me, and it was like clear as anything, I actually had to go and get confirmation from a number of sources because it was almost too easy. And, and, and it was like written across my chest, the Lord said, set the pace. And I felt like what God is saying for us as a church going to 2021 that we are individually and corporately to be people that set the pace. Uh, and now let me break this down as well for you. I, I sort of did a couple of weeks ago um, in a different narrative, but a friend of mine, Dale and Carla, most of you would know here at the church, Dale came over and they showed us his new little baby and, and Dale was like fit as, he's lost like 25 kilos, just doing really good, killing, uh, killing life, it's probably the bad expression, doing really good at life, living life, he's alive. And, um, and, and while Dale was doing this and he's sitting at my table, I looked at the baby and they've got their timing in order, the, the baby's feeding, they're sleeping, and, and, and like even Chrissy and I, we're, well, I'm not, she's 30 weeks pregnant and we're already having sleeping troubles and, and these guys have a brand new baby and he's sleeping every night, he's like, nah, clockwork, all going well. I said, how do you do it? Like, how are you keeping everything going? And when I was thinking about set the pace on the beach, the Lord showed me actually a picture of Dale in my mind's eye. What Dale said to me, he said, well, I figured that when I have my baby, I can either let that dictate everything else in my life, or I can actually, for want of the expression that I'm talking about, I can be the pace setter and can adopt the baby into the culture of my life rather than being dictated. Someone else would say, okay, so describe this pace setter thought. And so the other thought I had when I lay on the beach, someone who sets the pace would be like, a, like an indie car driver or, or someone that is, is a car on a track that's leading the rest out. You might see a picture behind me. See, this is a pace car. This, this car is setting the pace. Behind him is, are all sorts of other uh, flash cars. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars behind him. And although this car is unique and doesn't necessarily look like a race car driver, uh, usually when you look under the bonnet, there is something significant. Uh, and the very fact that this car is out the front uh, actually speaks not just to the fact that it's setting the pace, but that there is open space in front of it. Uh, another thought that I have, I was talking to Rhonda, she does our accounts playing keyboard and jumping all around the show this morning, uh, full of energy, but she, for some crazy reason, husband Ian, liked to do like 21k marathons running, which to me is like the worst thing you could properly do on this planet. Uh, one day I'll get there, but, but, but Rhonda described to me that while she was uh, out on a Wednesday morning, is that me? We'll, we'll just try, and otherwise I'll switch the mic, okay? Um, are you okay? It's not thunder, we're okay, and it's not God coming back yet. Um, it'd be kind of cool. Uh, but Rhonda said to me, uh, it was Wednesday morning, I said, how are you going? She's like, I'm a little bit sore, we've been out, went for a run with our friends, and you know, when she says she went for a run, she's talking about like five, six K, not like for me, I'm like, run to chase my kids to the bedroom, and Pac's like, like that's the extent of it. Uh, but then she was talking about this, thanks Emily, and she said to me, she said, it's interesting, and she described her group, and there's a gentleman that sometimes comes to our church here, Presence, and he would be like a marathon high achiever. He plays rugby and watches sports, and we were talking about him, and she said this, she said, but when he comes with us, he actually adjusts his pace so that we can all keep up and we have a good time. 
See, a pace setter isn't necessarily someone that runs out in front, is all ambitious, is, 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 is loud and proud and bold, but a pace setter is someone uh, that understands that they are leading the way, uh, but also understands that there is time. If you are someone that transitions from being a follower, if you will, to a pace setter, uh, what you actually have to have is a vision. You have to have clarity. You have to have drive, determination, maybe something more under the tank that will, will help you get through the challenges that come. You know, I looked up pace and pace setter and something Google said, pace in the acronym form is playfulness, acceptance, curiosity, and empathy. If you're a mum in this room, this comment was directed to you. Pace is a way of thinking, feeling and communicating and behaving that aims to make a child feel safe. It is based upon how parents connect with their very young infants. As toddlers, with, with safety, the child can begin to explore with pace. Pace from a mother and a father helps a child feel safe in their environment. And once they feel that way, the trouble the child can start to look at himself and let others start to see him. To get closer or to get closer emotionally, he can start to trust. So, so this idea of pace goes far beyond just someone that's leading the pack, that has vision. Uh, pace for a dad might be, and I described this to our morning service, uh, I know when we go to my dad's house, it's probably part of the culture because my dad set the pace in our family, but in our family, although it's a wrestle to get the iPads away and get them all to sit at the table, every night, usually, unless dad sometimes like movie night Friday or something, we break the rules, but, but the majority of the time, we get all our kids together. Like we sit at the table, it's a non-negotiable, and Chrissy's probably the biggest driver in this, but... I'm the loudest in the family, so I enforce it. And so we sit at the table, and we get all our kids up there. We don't sit on the couches. They don't do whatever they want, and they put their iPads down. In fact, we take them out of the room, and then they will hold their hands, and they will pray. And you could call that old-fashioned. I would call it setting the pace for the culture of what I want to see my kids do into the future. I remember we were staying at my parents' house recently as we transitioned, moved locations, and, and even I sat at the table and we were sitting there as a lazy dad, been doing renovations all day, and my dad said, all right, now everyone, cross your hands. And even I, as like the adult, kind of, as the adult, was like sitting there, I was like, like, like it was just default that kicked in. See, when you set the pace as a father or a mother, what you're actually doing is leading the next generation. So it's so important that we understand this idea. See, pace just doesn't translate and what we do, in essence, it becomes who we are as well. I would ask you, as we go into 2021, and we come around this theme of setting the pace, or being pace setters at Presence Church, uh, being a pace setter speaks to us, not just in the things we do, but also uh, physically and emotionally. Uh, are you someone in this room right now, who's probably for the last three years made a New Year's resolution, hey, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get healthy? See, the reason I go to F45 and do what I do and, and do lots of different things because I get bored really easy is, is not because I like want to get big or I want to do this or I want to do that. Losing a few kilos is always a bonus. Uh, but because I want to set the pace with myself. See, when I wake up in the morning, there's not one part of this, this beautiful face that's going, yeah, come on, I'm going to go, go work out with girls that are fitter than me that have huge thighs and we're going to do box jumps and we're going to do blurpees and smile and love it. No, I'm going, this sucks. I don't want to go. But I know that if I set the pace for myself physically, that the benefits will come later on. You know, the other side of it is spiritually as pace setters. You know, I think pace setters, as Lee said earlier, are actually well dwellers. If you're a pace setter in your spiritual life with God, 
your relationship with God isn't dependent on Pastor Justin, Pastor John or Chrissy or Kaz or whoever else. Your relationship, you're setting the pace with God. God, I'm running after you. God, I'm pursuing you. I'm seeking you. God, I don't need Lee to tell me to raise my hands and worship. I'm, I'm not sitting here wondering whether the song's real. No, God, I, I know that this is my opportunity to worship you, and I'm just grateful for what you have done, even though there are things that I don't understand. See, that's pace setting when it comes to your spiritual life. And now that I've kind of laid that, I want to say this. Pace setters don't have an easy road in front of them all the time. However, what they do have and they are aware of is the open space that they have. And to illustrate this point, I want to look back through the scripture that we just read. Uh, and I want to start to unpack a little bit, and we'll go into it again next week for part two of this thought where I'm speaking to you under the title this morning of open space, if you're taking notes. You know, it's interesting, I uh, was talking to Kent two weeks ago about the sermon I preached last week, and I'd sent him all the material, the, 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 the passion, uh, the translation that we looked at where the well scene was taking place and about two hours later Kent sent me back a scripture and he said I got this yesterday but I felt to encourage you today and it was actually this passage of scripture and uh, Kent broke it down and said to me I feel like as a church we're moving into open space the scripture that I just read said there's enough room for all of us that God has taken us to a place of open space. And I want to really speak into that today and even the next few weeks as we come into Christmas. And it's interesting, I came in this Thursday and spent a lot of time, I'm just giving you the backstory to let you know that this isn't just like a good idea, this is a God idea. And as I came in, I spent probably five or six hours just going through studying, reading the story of Isaac, looking at his father, looking at his wife, Rebecca, and the family and the narrative and everything that took place. I put this together and I'd finished, and then Letitia called me and she said, hey, pastor, are you here? I said, yeah, I'm in my office, just finished my sermon. She said, come next door, the Holy Spirit just told me to invite you over to watch this video, and it was Graham Cook, if you don't know who Graham Cook is, he's a prophet from the UK, amazing man of God, he's got an amazing ministry. And as she started to play this video, he began by saying, 17 years ago, God gave him this prophetic word. And the prophetic word has only been released, I think it was on the Wednesday night, never seen it before, never heard it. And then the very next thing he said is, God is saying that 2021 is a season of open space for the church. And so I say that to say, not to blow my own trumpet, that God is saying something about the season we're about to move into. He allowed Let's do this. Hopefully in 2021, we'll get the mics working. Um, but hey, it's all good. Uh, I've gotten through most of the reading. <laughs> it's still happening. You know, I looked at this passage of Scripture after Kent said it to me, and the Holy Spirit just started to infuse and, and really bring out some key uh, illustrations and what it is to be a person who walks into open space. And not just walks into open space, but actually has made a conscious decision. No, I understand the anointing and the authority that is on my life through Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I'm actually going to make a decision to be a pace setter. 
So what I want to do today is I want to give you four things that will help you in this journey as we move into 2021 that we can see in the life of Isaac that will help us to not just be a pace setter, but actually walk into open space. When you arrive in open space, there is room to breathe. There is liberty, there's hope, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's all the fruits, the characters of the Holy Spirit. But what I found is when you're in open space, and I've even seen it recently, for three years my wife and I tried to sell an asbestos house in Broadbeach. As fickle as it might sound, we tried with five different agents to the point that it actually became emotionally damaging to us in the context of just not knowing what was going on. We trusted in God, we prayed in God, but there was a learning curve. And after we sold our house, it was another year and a half before we actually came together in agreement for the right one. But in the last three months, we've bought a house. And even yesterday, I was sitting in the backyard by the pool, looking at all the work that had to be done. And I can tell you that there's probably 80% of the stress in my life has lifted off. And see, what happened is now I'm sitting in a place of open space with that stress relief. I can actually start to have vision for what I want to do here and what I want to do here and what God wants to do in 2021. It goes far beyond just my own little dimension of my world and my house and my family and my kids. It actually creates open space, actually elaborates and gives you a double portion upon itself if you understand what I'm saying. I want to put this to you today as I start to break this down. I know I'm giving you a bit of a, a, a long trail into this message, but I want to say this, that Isaac and Abraham's relationship in the scripture that we just read, Isaac had the ability to walk in the blessing of Abraham because Abraham was his father and the blessing was on him. It was the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, but I would put to you today that's a type and shadow and a parallel of the relationship that you and I have today because of Jesus. Because of everything Jesus did on the cross because his blood shed, uh, was shed and it paid the price for our sins, enabling us to walk into blessing, enabling us to walk into grace, enabling us on a daily basis to receive fresh mercy from God. So when we read this, we're not just reading, hey, that's an irrelevant passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. No, this is actually a type and shadow, and we'll look at some points right now that give us great insights in what it is to walk daily as a pace setter walking into open space. I want to give you the first thought this morning coming from verse 3, and if you're taking notes, write this down, prepare for increase. Prepare for increase. In verse 3, it says here, and God is speaking to Isaac, Isaac is obviously moved. He's finally broken away from his parents. He's with Rebecca. He's just prayed and, and petitioned God for some kids in chapter 25. And, and then at this particular point, he's arrived at a place and God says to him, live here as a foreigner in this land. It's interesting because so many times, even I've quoted and probably you have heard from the Bible in many different parts. Uh, and I want to read from what Jesus says here in John chapter 17 this morning. But Jesus actually said... And quote, in verse 16 of 17, speaking about us as he was praying to the Father before he went to be with them, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You see, it's interesting that God said to Isaac, live in this world and I will bless you here. But essentially what Isaac came to understand was even though I'm in this world, this is not a place where I will get my substance from that my substance will come from God. And the affirmation came from God that if you live here and stay here, I am the one that will bless you. So when Jesus prayed and said to God, God, they're not in the world, just as, just, just as I am not in the world. I love what John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 says. I think the scripture will come up behind me. It actually gives us a, a point to 
understand what we are to do in this dilemma. He says here, he says, don't set your affections or your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. I don't know if you heard that. Let me say it again. The love of the world and the love of the Father are incompatible. For all the world can offer us the gratification of the flesh, the allurement of things of the world, the obsession, the statutes, the importance. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who do the will of God, they will live forever. You know, as I've been praying, praying for cares, and I'm sure we all have, I just, I'm just, I think of Pastor Rich, and I think of the generals that have gone on before us. It's so exciting that this is the word that comes straight from the Holy Spirit, that those who live pursuing the heartbeat of Jesus and don't get consumed with the things of the world, which essentially was the message that Steve used to preach time in, time out. Stay focused. Don't touch the little things. Pursue Jesus. The promises here is that you will live forever that you will be with the Father. Graham Cook said this in that message. I said, open space in the Lord is not open to casual seekers. Can I tell you, if you want to be someone that is a pace setter in 2021, if you are someone that wants to walk into open space in 2021, it can't just be a casual tick Sunday off on the box and that's what we do all week. No, it's a lifestyle. And, and dare I say, prayer and fasting, seeking first the kingdom of God, asking, knocking and seeking, actually drawing near to him and out of that place, worshiping him. The Father looks to those who are worshiping. He's seeking. Remember what we spoke about last week. He went on to say this, he said, real prophets love process. Obviously, Graham Cook is a prophet. And this just struck my heart because how much of our Christian life, in fact, life in general, is a process. But when you're processing things out with God, it's not like just one big illuminated, wow, this is cool, I'm there. But it's a series of continual small yeses that build intimacy and relationship. Why do I say all that? if the point was prepare for increase. The scripture went on and it says here, and this was the promise that came to Isaac from God, live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. I will hereby confirm that I will give all of these lands to you and your descendants just as I solemnly promised to Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the sky. See, see at this particular point, Isaac hadn't actually seen the fruit of the promise that had come but he had encountered the promiser. Because remember, Isaac was the one that was about to be slain or about to be sacrificed when his father brought him up as a sacrifice. And at the moment where the angel of the Lord came, he stopped Abraham, his father, from killing him. They looked over and there was a ram caught in the thicket or the bushes. I believe at that particular point, something was instilled in Isaac because his father set the pace. Something was instilled in him that gave him a faith and an ability to trust that God, when he promised something, he would come through with it. Even if he didn't know what was coming, even if he didn't understand, understand the language he had the ability i want to tell you today you are in this world but not of this world if we start to live to the culture of surface paradise and and all the stuff that goes on around our city and maybe in the suburbs and forget about kingdom culture you're gonna sooner rather than later not be setting the pace but be living by the pace that has been set for you we're called to be leaders we're called to be pioneers we're called to pursue him who is the author and the perfecter of our faith and that will only come from people who understand yeah we're in the world 
but we're not of the world. The second thought that I have for you this morning and what it is to be a pace setter, someone that is walking into open space for 2021, is you have to understand challenges will come to your faith. It's interesting that Isaac here in verse 7, maybe down a little bit, he, he, he's there and he's got a beautiful wife, obviously he knows it, lucky guy, just like me and my dad and, and the other husbands in here, getting myself into a jam here. When the men who lived in the land, they asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca. See, I mentioned earlier, just a chapter or two back, Isaac got to a point where he saw the desperation of Rebecca. Isaac knew and understood the promise and the declaration that was on his father, Abraham, so he went into a secret place, call it his prayer closet, and he petitioned God, God, my wife hasn't got kids. He had faith. There was something about him that could petition. But then over here, when he was challenged in who his wife was, he immediately defaulted, oh, she's like my sister. Like, how would you feel if you are his wife? Same thing happened to his father. The scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, and I want to encourage you, because your faith is going to be challenged as you go into 2021. I know my faith was challenged in 2020. Instead, you must worship Christ as your Lord in life. And if someone asks you about the hope that you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. See, I can't give you the answer to why Isaac defaulted, call it fear, call it insecurity. He just had like a pretty substantial conversation with God. He'd seen the blessing of the Lord come in the form of God performing a supernatural miracle, uh, giving them a ram in the thicket. But what I can think about is the life of David. See, David turned up on the battlefield, Goliath, with six fingers and six toes, the biggest man he'd probably ever seen in his life, to the point uh, where he arrived fresh. He arrived like he was just delivering some stuff from his dad, checking on his brothers, and he heard the taunts. But the Bible says that, that David didn't just back up, he didn't enter into fear like the rest of the camp did when they saw Goliath, but he was almost offended and challenged, like, who is this guy that thinks he can come against our God? And then they were like, just be quiet, just be quiet. But there was something in David that, 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 that drove him forward rather than pushed him back with the crowd. See, I think David was a pace setter. I think David understood that in a lifestyle of pace setting, you had to continue to walk forward, and Goliath represented something that was an obstacle to open space. I don't think he felt that or thought that at the time, but when I think about the moment where he's standing before Saul, Saul's like, dude, you're just like a little boy. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. He didn't say dude. But you're just a little boy. And Goliath's a man, and he's a battle-hardened soldier. I love what David did in that moment. He was ready to give an account. David, in that moment, he stopped and he said, but, but, but excuse me, sir, when I was looking after my dad's sheep and I was alone in the field, there was no battle, there was nothing going on, but there was a bear that came and he tried to get the sheep and I killed him. And then there was a lion this other time that came and, and I took him out. See, what David did was he recalled the testimony of the last victory that he had. 
I don't know why Isaac didn't do this, but I just want to put to you as we go into 2020 and we are people that are setting the pace, moving forward into open space. You have to have accounts. Maybe daily you need to remind yourself of the last testimony, the last breakthrough, not the last disappointment, not the last rejection, not the last thing. No, because the Lord works in mysterious ways. I wish I could answer some of the questions I've got myself for God. But what I do know is I've seen God come through time and time and time again. And see, what David did is he recalled the testimony of what happened when he took on the bear and the lion, which I believe gave him a strength, a confidence, and instilled something in the people around him to let him go into the field. But he didn't just do that. I don't know, it's just, it's figurative. But David then went and got in the river. If we were to translate that today, remember your testimony and then get into the presence of God and it will quicken something, it will instill, it will fertilize something that will enable you to move forward into 2021 as someone that's not dictated by the pace of the world, the culture, the program I'm in or anything else, but you're moving forward as a pace setter. Come on, we're victorious because Christ is victorious. The battle has already been won. Be a pace setter. As you walk into 2021, be a pace setter. When challenges come to your faith, be a pace setter. Know that God has already overcome the third thought and we're going to be finished in a few moments. Isaac wasn't just prepared to stand on just the blessing and the promise, but actually Isaac worked hard. Someone didn't want to hear this this morning, but I want to tell you, if you want to be a pacer and walk into open space in 2021, you have to be prepared to put your hands to the plow. You have to be prepared to sow some seed. You have to be prepared to get a little bit sweaty. Maybe it is physically. Maybe you have to be prepared to go do blurpees with like super fit people when you aren't obviously super fit. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe for you, setting the pace and, and getting out of your comfortable zone is actually, man, I'm going to do a fast. You know, I'm going to read the whole Bible through. Maybe it's I'm going to commit my lifestyle to worship even when I don't want to. See, Isaac made a decision that he was willing to work hard. Scripture says here, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. So Isaac had just received the blessing. He was faithful. He was a little bit messy when it came to his wife, but the blessing of God was still on him, speaking of the mercy and the grace that we receive daily from God. And he was willing to then go and actually physically go after the things of God. In other words, plant seed and, and activate the promises that were on his life. I just, this isn't part of my sermon, but I want to ask someone today, where has God sown promises to you? Whether it's prophetic words, maybe you've read something, maybe you know that there's this dream and ambition that you've got within you. Come on, I want to tell you, 2021, not just because this is a great year, time to make a New Year's revelation, revelation, resolution, rev something or other, you get it. No, no, because this is a God-appointed time for this church and people of this church and people of this community, and maybe you're here today where God is saying it's time to start to dream again. The next thought that I have for you after he worked hard, and last thought with a few closing comments. Isaac refused to do drama. My team and I have been talking about this. We're 
currently reading a book by Danny Silk called Unpunishable. Paul Scanlon says, studying something, many things, but in Paul Scanlon's 2020 list of top 10 things of a successful person, in other words, reflecting on his own life, the number one thing that he says that he doesn't do that enables him to become successful is he doesn't do drama. See, it's interesting when I read the scripture here and it actually stands out to me. It says here in verse 20, but then the shepherds came from Gerar and they came and they claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it. So Isaac's herdsmen with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well S, which means argument. But hear this, Isaac's men then dug another well. In other words, they didn't get caught up in the drama. There was an argument that took place, but they went on and they dug another well. And then it says that Isaac's men did this and there was another dispute, which was called hostility. And then finally, Isaac got to a point, and this is an interesting, you need to hear this in verse 22. Scripture says, abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. Hear this, this time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named that place Reboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in the land. I want to put this to you, and we said it in our first service. It was at the point where Isaac stopped digging in the wells of his father because they'd already been closed in. There was, there was, there was I believe, respect. There was honor at the very fact that he went and dug into those wells, but it was at the point that he stopped digging in those wells and then wasn't willing to, to, to just give up, but worked hard. And then eventually he went to a place and he dug a well on his own accord, which then became a prophetic declaration that this is now open space. So in other words, there comes a point where you have to transition from the old generation, never dismissing honor and the blessing and the fact, even speaking prophetically into our church now, the reason we're here today is because Pastor Erica, for Stephen Kaz, and for the generations that went before us and they laid the seed and they sowed the ground. But I tell you, and I, I want to say this respectively, when I drove home, I was emotional, I was upset last week, I'm asking questions, God, why is this happening? And then God reminded me of the scripture, man, those who have lived their life for me, they're with me right now. No one has died, but they're with me in heaven. And in that moment, I was like, okay, God, so what are you saying? And he said, Justin, they're with me right now. So it's time to move on. And the Lord said to me last week, I was driving home, transition has finished. It's time for you guys to step up and be the men to take ownership of the church and ownership of the city. And I'm not saying that for me because I know this church isn't Pastor Justin's, Pastor Chrissy. This is us. This is our family. This is our community. AM service, PM service, 1030 service. Come on, if you call Presence Church home, God's speaking to us today. It's time to walk into open space because the day is upon us for new seasons to be pace setters in this city. I don't know. I reckon there's, we hear it all the time. There are new worship teams still waiting in the clubs. There are the next pastors still using drugs in the street corners of Surfers Paradise. There are people that are businessmen in the apartments that don't know yet, but they're probably going to pay off mortgages for the churches because God's going to do a miracle in their life. I don't know. I just want to dream bigger. I feel like God is saying, come on, if you move forward into this next year as a pace setter, uh, that he will create open space around us. There seems to be a point of completion or transition. I wrote this on Thursday morning that Isaac, although he continued to walk and bless and give honor 
to his father Abraham came to a point where he realized the fulfillment of the call and the promise was still going to follow him, but he made a decision that now it was time to put his hands to the plow when he began not to rely on the wells that were dug from the past, but used them as an example for digging wells into the future, he then walked into a place that was called open space. Four things he did. He prepared for increase. He overcame the challenges of his faith. He made a decision to work hard with his hands and he refused to stay in areas where there was drama. Setting the pace leads to open space question for you this morning around this theme of wells and we spoke about this maybe a couple of months ago is could you tell me in your life that you are well based or you are fence based see next week we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the carryover of the scripture the rest of verse 26 talks about a place where he dug a well and it was called oath which is promise he went from open space into new promises of God But Isaac always stayed close to where the well was. Remember a couple of weeks ago I spoke and... Sorry guys, it's good for your legs to stand. But I heard this story and I shared with you and an American came over and true story and met with a pastor and his family and this pastor's family lives out in the outback and their farmers or their ranch or their block of land is 70 miles long by 30 miles wide and this businessman was was amazed and he asked the pastor the rancher uh, he, he said to him he said how can you have such a big property and there are no fences like it'd be physically impossible to build fences but he said how come your bulls don't run away how, how, how come your livestock don't run away how does this place just keep managing and remember he said that this is easy we get a geotech person in and they find out where the middle of our property is and then we just start digging wells and he said because we're well based the animals never drift or dwell far away from the wells so because we're well based we don't need fences and and he carried on and he said this he said because we're well based we don't need fences but but the deal with wells and you can translate this into your spiritual life The well is the substance of the person of God through the Holy Spirit, the relationship we have. He says with a well, the reason the animals don't stray far is the direction of their shoulders. Whether it's the person, the animal, the bull at the front leading the rest of the pack, they all have their shoulders facing towards the well. And see, when you're well-based, you understand that you have the liberty of open space. But on the other hand, if you're fence-based, you're always worried about getting to the next place, doing the next thing. What are they saying about me? The fear, the insecurity, the, and there's a process to deal with that stuff. But you're probably more bound by sin and religion and stumbling and depending on someone else's relationship with God and their well relationship to keep you sustained, which will never be the case because no one else can sustain you with their well for what God wants to do in your well. So I would ask you today as we close, in order to be true pace setters and walk in the fulfillment of seeing open space in front of us for 2021, I just feel the Holy Spirit's asking this question, not even Pastor Justin. But are you at a place right now where you could say, hey, the center of my world is the well of God? Because as I said, the next passage we'll talk about next week describes 
that once a well was established and they established it was healthy and good, then a city was built around it. I want to tell you, God wants to add to you. He wants to build around you. He wants to increase things in your world. Come on, this isn't it. You haven't retired. You haven't just gotten too old. You haven't finished ministry. I don't know that a pastoral calling ever gets revoked or gets lifted. I don't know where you're at and what you're doing. Maybe, hey, I'm a chippy. How does this affect me when I'm using my nail gun? You know what? When you're well-based and you you face God at the beginning of the day, it opens up the rest of your world. Maybe God wants to increase your business. Maybe you're an artist in this room. God wants to give you bigger vision for dreams. You're a mum in this room. God wants to be the best mom. He wants you to set the pace for the kids that he's bringing into your world so that they can be world changers. You know, I'm okay with being a platform that other people build on because that's the model that Jesus taught us to take. To lay down our life, lift up our cross and love God and love other people. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, I ask you that question and I just wonder, just as the team just leads us, just for a moment. If you do some business with God, let this message just sink in. And I'll ask you that question again. Are you well-based? Or would you say I'm fence-based? Because God wants to bless, increase, prosper, not even in a financial way, but every way in your life. As we go into 2021, but I think some of us have to answer this question. Is He the center of our world? Come on, worship team. Why don't we just go?